Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Genesis chapter 11, verses 2 through 9, and it says this. This is the Old Testament. If you're in Revelation, you're like way off. You want to go, like literally, you want to go north or south, rather. And it says, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come and let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had some asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens or reaches towards the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down and interrupted their plans. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. This is the Tower of Babel, for those of you who don't know. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. Everybody say one. This is showing you, we've been talking about the power of one accord. We were talking about it in the green room this morning. You heard me quote Acts chapter 2. They were all in the upper room. This is why the fire fell. There's something about being in one accord. Say one accord. Indeed, the people are one and all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them, even outside of the will of God. The Bible is saying they can accomplish this thing. Now come, this is God talking to his triune self, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us go down there and confuse their language. This is where all the languages came from. That they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building that city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because the Lord confused their language and the language of all of the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. And everybody said, amen. Amen. When I think about the human will, I cannot help but think about how much we are able to accomplish. And again, this is how all these different languages came about because God's seen the power of being in one accord on what the human will can accomplish. And when I think about this past half century, maybe 50 or 60 years, I'm not that old, but as I've read over history, we have accomplished a lot of things. And the human will is a powerful thing. Say it's a powerful thing. By sheer will, I was watching this documentary not that long ago. I think it was a 1,300-foot wall that went vertical, and this gentleman climbed it. How many know what a boule is? Did I say that right? It's, he climbed it without any lanyards, without any ropes, with nothing but chalk, so his hands would you know, be able to grab the rocks. I mean, my hands are starting to sweat as I think about it. I mean, I don't like heights. Does anybody not like heights like me? By sheer will, this man was able to climb This 1,300-foot wall with not a whole lot of fear for death. I mean, only to just to be able to say that he climbed it just by human willpower. Human uh, willpower produced uh, something called the space shuttle. And in 1969, it launched into outer space uh, with a man by the name of Neil Armstrong. And he skipped across the craters of the moon because some of the most brilliant minds in the world got together and thought, hey, I, we want to be able to make it to the moon and put a flag in the moon just by human willpower. It's a powerful thing. My mother, she's pretty much the strongest person I know. She's in her third bout with cancer. I don't know if I've ever said this, but when I would go in to visit her at work, she had this name tag And her name tag didn't have her actual name. It says Rocky. Do you still have that? Like Rocky Balboa? How many? It's like one of my favorite series. She is like the woman version of Rocky Balboa. I mean, her theme song is like the Eye of the Tiger. You know, she's extremely 
strong-willed. And so one day I come to a service and she's telling me she's not feeling well. And um, she was having a nosebleed at the time and it wouldn't, it wouldn't stop. And um, after the service, uh, she is whisked off to the hospital. I think my aunt rushed her to the hospital and they had to put a stent in her heart. And I was upset with her. I, and she told me she wasn't feeling well and I could tell she wasn't feeling well. And, she, and, and I said, Mom, why would you come to the service this morning? I, although attending church is important, but when it comes to your health, uh, it, it's, it could have waited. You should have went home and rested. You should have went to the hospital. And here's what she said to me. The people needed coffee. <laughs> Human will is a powerful thing. She could barely stand, you could tell. Human will can push past the odds of so many things. It can ignore pain in its body. It can accomplish tech that our human minds can't even wrap around. When, when I was just a teenager, there was this place I lived next to called King Paging. I know it's hard to believe. I'm only 36 years old, but when I was just a little boy, there were no cell phones, and if you did have a cell phone, it was as big as two bricks put together, and it was $5 a minute, and, and if you wanted to tell someone you love them, you didn't, you didn't pick up the phone and just call them or text them. You had to page them and send 143. How many remember that? Look at the teenagers. are like, I have no idea what you're saying. And if it was an emergency and they needed to get home, what did you press? 911. How many remember the pagers? I want to see a hand. How many do not know what a pager is? Yeah. I've rushed to people's deathbeds. I have rushed beside them at a hospital while they're breathing their last. And the doctors have given them no hope and given them either days, hours, or maybe even months to live, and they have a, a loved one who's on the other side of the earth or outside you know, of the United States of America, and I've seen people get sent home because the doctors are done giving them expiration dates because these people, by sheer will, want to stay alive until they see that last loved one. The human will is a powerful thing. Say the human will. I want to tell you this morning, God also has a will. So in, in spite of these incredible leaps and bounds that I think America has made, particularly in the past 20 years, all these groundbreaking discoveries, I believe that we have drifted somewhat as a nation outside of the will of God. And the will of God is a powerful thing. This determines whether or not you live a fulfilled life on this side of heaven. We all know that when we get to heaven one day, and none of us know when that day might be, but one day we will enter into heaven and all the tears will be wiped away. All the pain will go away. You'll no longer have the sniffles. You will no longer battle with allergy problems. You'll no longer deal with migraines. You will no longer deal with sinful propensities. You will no longer deal with selfishness and pride and arrogance, and you no longer deal with fear. You'll no longer bite your nails to the nubs. But all of our problems will be solved. But can I tell you, there is a place to get to where we are on top of this fallen world and the only way that you can get to that place is by living in the will of God. Lately, the Lord has been talking to me about the will of God. Say the will of God. There's no doubt that there is a spiritual battle going on. Can anybody see it? I mean, you don't even have to be Holy Ghost filled, a tongue talking believer even a, going, a church goer to see that we are in, the, in a battle and that there is a spiritual battle going on, not only for the soul of America, but for the soul of people. There's something happening in the spirit realm as we're speaking. And as I think about this spiritual battle going on, 
and I think about how the powers of darkness works. You know, I grew up in a, it was a non-denominational ministry, and it was a deliverance ministry. We were here. This place was packed out this past Friday night. We were having a celebration of life for an individual, and so I, I was raised up and trained in spiritual warfare. You guys will hear me talk about that ministry from time to time. And even in my own ministry, in my own calling, I have seen people demonically oppressed. I have, as a young man, I was personally demonically oppressed by the enemy. I was engaged in so many things as a young man that when I came to the Lord, I was completely bound. And I remember one night, and I mentioned it on Friday night here, and many of you were not here, he had to lay hands on me about 10 times. I mean, he was casting out demons, and I, I just remember getting up so free. I've, I've, I've walked into rooms and gotten calls from people where they are completely out of their mind. They went to some seance, or they went to some, uh, they got involved in witchcraft and, and Ouija board, and I've walked into rooms where people were crawling around like animals and out of their mind. People who are, are, are business people who who were once sane and who engaged in darkness and who got bound some way. And I've, I've watched these demons come out of people. I, I have been in that green room back there and I've laid my hands on people and demons would come out by name, by name. I have seen people who are Christians who are demonically not possessed but oppressed by the enemy. And I remember I was listening to Catherine Coleman just the other day, and she said this, I fear no man. Well, can I tell you, I fear no devil. And as long as you're a believer, you don't have to fear the enemy. You don't have to be afraid of the powers of darkness if you understand that, number one, as long as you've come to the saving knowledge of the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and as long as you understand your authority, the enemy fears you. And this is what the enemy uses. He uses fear because he doesn't want you to understand your authority because he understands when you know your authority, you have power over him. My Bible says, I don't know what version you read, but it says he has given us all power and authority to trample on serpents, to cast out devils, to heal the sick. Do I have anybody who still believes that in Christianity anymore, that we have authority? But there is a greater enemy at work in America and there is, there is something that we are all up against that no laying on of hands can cast out. It is a much greater enemy. It's an enemy that cannot be cast out but must be crucified daily. And it is the will of man. It is the human will. And there, were, there is nothing on God's green earth, no demon in hell, nor angels, nor principalities that will separate you from the love of God, nor separate you from the will of God. But there is one thing that God has given us, and it's a gift that can separate us quicker than any demon in hell, and it's called free will. Oh, I see you guys are looking and are interested this morning. So I wanna preach a message this morning because God has been dealing with me on this, and I pray that it blesses you, and I pray that it awakens your heart to the realization of the will of God for your life. Say, he has a will for my life. Say that. I want to talk about this topic called the battle of wills. Say the battle of wills. I want to read this in Genesis, and I know I read it last week. It's Genesis chapter 32, and it's Jacob when he was left alone with the angel of the Lord, and it's going to be up on the screen. And it says this in Genesis chapter 32. It starts at verse 24. But I believe the Lord showed me a different angle. We, we, I ministered a message yesterday, what happens in the wrestle. We all know that when we wrestle with God, just if you missed it uh, last Sunday, when you wrestle with God or you wrestle with an angel of the Lord, some, God is doing something in your life. No matter what it is that you're facing, God works out all things. Everybody say all things. All things together for your good and his glory, no matter what it is. You can be bound with something. You can be facing some difficulty or some challenge. It could be in your marriage, your finances. There could be sickness in your body. You could be dealing with divorce. No matter what challenge you have in your life right now, God's working that thing out for your good as you're wrestling with him through it. You can't see it. You may not discern it, but I can tell you right now, God loves each and every one of his children, and he will use anything to get you into the pinnacle of his will. Oh, you don't believe that? Oh, you want me to be theologically sound? Even Jesus used Judas more than any of the other disciples. He allowed evil, come on, 
it's God's will is not evil, but because we live in a fallen world, God will use whatever is necessary in order to get you to his will in your life. I wish I could get an amen for that. So Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 through 29, I seen something a little bit different. I seen a struggle in here of two wills at work, and I want to read it to you one more time. And it says, then Jacob was left alone. Say alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, some scholars believe that this was Jesus. I said this last week. Some believe it was simply just an angel. But now when he saw that he did not prevail against them, the angel touched or Jesus touched his hip or the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint and he, as he wrestled with him. And then he said, the angel said, let me go for the day breaks, but Jacob wouldn't let go. Somebody say, I won't let go. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so he said to them, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and man and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed them there. And one of my first points in talking about getting into the will of God is that God does not want to break your will. I know that some teachers have taught you that God wants to break your will. God gave you the will. He doesn't want to break it. He just wants to bend it. He didn't destroy Jacob, but he touched his hip and put it out of socket. He didn't break Jacob's will, but he bent it. How many have kids in this room? No parent who has healthy desires or unless you're toxic, and I've, I've seen this too, but most parents for the most part love their kids, want the best for them, and they don't spank them nor discipline them because they want to break the will. They want to bend it. Let me, let me tell you the difference really quick. Here's what just came to my mind. It is God's will if you have a desire to be married, but he doesn't just want you to marry anybody. That's where our will can interfere. Do you see that? So his will is for you to be happily married with another believer, right? Come on, two can't walk, unless they're, two can't walk together unless they're agreed. Do we still believe that in the church anymore? But he doesn't want you to get out of his will by marrying somebody who's going to bring you away from him. God, God wants you to have a job to make money to supply for your own personal needs, to, to be able to tithe, to help his, help his body, help his kingdom, right? He also wants you to be able to supply for your children, but he just doesn't want you to achieve it in an ungodly way. So, so God is all about bending the will, not breaking it totally, because I've heard it said like this, all sin is is legitimate desires being fulfilled in an illegitimate way. Does everybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Everything that you desire in life is holy, but how you go about fulfilling that desire determines whether it's holy or not holy. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Do you want me to break that down for you? It is not unholy. Sexual desires, close your ears, children. Sexual desires are holy. They're from God. But when you try to fulfill them in illegitimate ways, it will get you out of the will of God. It'll get you to create a soul tie between you and somebody that you don't want. Come on. Looking at things on a TV screen, come on. Or, or, or a website that you shouldn't be looking at because God created us to be fulfilled, but in certain ways. There is a right way, there's a wrong way. There's God's will and there's our will. And our will will put us in a position where we live lives that are unsatisfied, but living in the center of God's will makes us very satisfied. So God doesn't want to break those desires of your life. He just wants to bend them. And can I suggest to you that this morning, I believe that all of us are in some kind of a wrestle with God this morning. And listen, it's not God wanting to break your will. That difficulty that you're going through, that challenge that you're facing, God is not trying to break you. He wants to bend you. He just wants to change your thinking just a little bit. And it's very interesting to me that in this wrestling match that God seemingly allowed Jacob to win. And if you're a father, you can, you can, you can relate. And I'm sure Jacob... Jacob uh, knew that God could have beat him. I, mean, I wrestle with my kids all the time. I, I love wrestling with them, even my three-year-old daughters. Come on, Daddy, let's wrestle. 
And the thing about it is, is, is a dad knows that he can pin the children. He knows that he can win the fight, but he enjoys the wrestle and he wants to make you think that you win because he's getting the pleasure out of the closeness, not the wrestle. And can I tell you what you're wrestling with, that decision in ministry, that, that, that wrestle that you're going through with your marriage or this degree that you're going after or this calling that you're wanting to go after, it's, it's God is inviting you into this wrestle. He's not wanting to break you. He's wanting to bend you. And he's, he simply wants the pleasure out of connecting with you through this wrestle. Am I talking to anybody this morning? And so what this wrestle does and what my wrestle does with my children is it builds their confidence. Say it builds our confidence. And God wants to strengthen your confidence without strengthening the will. Did did you just hear what I said? He wants to strengthen your confidence without esteeming your will because here's what happens. As I've seen worship, nothing against the worship team, nothing against those who are super talented because I think we have an amazing worship team. Come on. You can give them a hand clap. I've seen people who are super talented, but when they get too super confident, they get out of the will of God. When you get too confident, when you think think that you have it all together, you've achieved, you no longer need him anymore. And, and, And where you started in the will of God, you end up out of the will of God. Growing up, me and my brothers, we, we didn't solve things like most women solve by talking it out. I know you would like to think that about me, but I haven't always had a halo around my head. We fought it out. And, and, and I believe that there are many people this morning who are wrestling with God. And it's, it's not God trying to break your will. He's in the, he's in the process of bending your will. Bending your will to submit to his will. And can I tell you this? There is nothing more pleasurable than being in the will of God even when it's tough. And there's no worse place to be when you're out of it. Did you hear what I just said? There is no greater place to be. And can I tell you that God's will is not easy. Being in God's will is difficult. Do you know how I've learned to make decisions, Aaron? You're going to appreciate this because I'm 36 and I think I've kind of got it. I don't agree with it, but I think I've got it. Usually, it's the tough decision. Usually, God never gives me the easy way out. And God usually never gives you the easy way out. Why? Because it doesn't grow your faith. Why? Because it doesn't strengthen your dependency upon him. And so God will never allow you or give you an assignment to do that's not bigger than what you are. Because he's all about growing you. He's all about strengthening you. He's all about bending your will to submit to his, not to break it, but to bend it. Say, say, God wants to bend my will. He doesn't want to break it. And God loves and enjoys this wrestling. And listen, God knows that you're going to go through disagreements with him. Can I tell you, any mature saint will tell you they do not agree upon everything with God. If I were to stand up here and tell you, I just agree to disagree at times. I agree that his will is perfect for me, but I don't always agree with his methodology. As a matter of fact, I often question his methodology. Do I have anybody who's like that, who actually questions God's timing, questions his methodology? Why did you have to use her, Lord? Why do you have to use that boss? Why do you have to use this degree? Why do you have to use this waiting period? Why do you have to use this difficult spouse? Come on, am I preaching to somebody this morning? And all of that, God is bending the will of man or the will of the woman. And can I tell you this? As you're in the wrestling match this morning, God is bending your will towards his so that you get the pleasure of enjoying his will, his way, and his timing. Hallelujah. Do you know what the word Israel or the name Israel means? The one who wrestles with God. Look at somebody and say, are you wrestling this morning? Come on, look at somebody else and say, are you wrestling this morning? Let, no, let me not, let, make no mistake about it. God's will 
I believe he wants to say this to somebody this morning. God's will is difficult. God's will is difficult. Say that to somebody else this morning. Say God's will is difficult. Let's read Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. Am I preaching like an 80-year-old this morning? Come on, I feel, is this, is this too meaty to swallow? I know the last pastor who pastored you told you if you'll just attend church that God will just begin to bless you and your life will begin to straighten out and everything will be at peace. But can I tell you, God's will is difficult. But just like Catherine Coleman says, it costs everything. But it's worth the cost. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Do you know why you should stay in that marriage? Because it's difficult. Do you know why you should stay at that job? Because it's difficult. Oh, yeah, I ain't getting nobody to say nothing this morning. Do you know why you should remain in that same calling, even though you don't see the fruit that you want to see? Because it's difficult and God is doing something. And he said, and there are many who go in by this narrow road because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. That leads to what? It leads to something. The difficulty that you're facing, the challenge that you're facing right now leads to something. And the only way that you can survive your narrow gate that you're going through right now, that tight situation, is remind yourself that this gate leads to something. This narrowness leads to something. And what does it lead to? The perfect will of God. God doesn't use easy. It's not even in his name. It's not even in his nature. The only thing that he ever said was easy is his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But can I tell you, when you're in the center of God's will, what may be difficult to, for one person who's out of the will of God doing something, when someone's in the will of God, God will give you the pleasure and the peace to do it in the midst of that great difficulty. And where do you find the peace? Knowing that you're in the will of God. Look at somebody and say, are you in the will of God? Ne never let anyone tell you that the will of God is easy. If it were easy, everyone would fulfill the will of God. Do you know what bothers me? More than anything in Christendom, meaning Christianity or us who label ourselves believer, because I, I know that I had served the Lord for years and was not in the will of God. You can love Jesus this morning. You can be a tongue-talking, Christianese-speaking, cross-wearing, fish-bumper-sticker-wearing, Holy Ghost-filled person who prophesies, who loves God, who encourages people, and be outside of the will of God for your life. And I believe that this is what the Lord is calling us to, back into his perfect will. Do you want to know how to find it? You know what I've seen? I have seen people who say, Donnie, I can't seem to find the will of God in my life. And, 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 I, and it always goes back to this. Are you ready? It always goes back to a decision where they ignored God's will and they knew it was his perfect will. And they think God is going to forget what he told them to do. Come on, you've never had to forgive somebody and you knew you were supposed to forgive them and call them and then you try to move on and then you feel it's almost as if God's blessing, his hand of favor draws back. He never leaves you, but he, he draws back. There's a difference. He will never leave, but he will draw back his hand of favor, his blessing, his peace, his joy until you fulfill his will in that area. And so what most people do is they think God has amnesia, is they think he's gonna forget that he, that he told them to do that very thing. But God doesn't forget so easily. And, and if you want to get back into the will of God, here's my encouragement to you. Go back and do what he told you you were supposed to do. Go back and be obedient where you stepped out of his will. And once you do that, you will see God's sovereign hand fast track you back into the pinnacle of his will. And the, open, the heavens will open up over your life again. His favor will return. His peace will return. His joy will return. Do you know what I've seen? I've seen a lot of things. You can tell. I, I keep saying, have, you, know, you know what I've seen? I have seen people give an offering 
because they wanted certain things to break in their life and God not do it because they still weren't obedient to what he told them to go do. Oh, I'm going to give my way out of this. And in Matthew, it talks, he goes, there's this, there's, this, there's this moment where there's some unforgiveness going on between two brothers, two believers. And you know what God said? I feel, the, I feel the Lord wanted me to say this to somebody. They come to bring a gift to the altar. They go to bring a gift to the altar, a sacrifice to God, and God says, leave your gift at the altar and come back. Go make things right with your brother or sister and then come back. In other words, y'all are gonna have a tough one swallowing this one. I don't wanna hear from you right now until you go do what I've called you to go do. Do we want to grow? I know, I know in Western Christianity, we want to give our way out. We want to fast our way out. Or maybe God will change his will. Maybe he doesn't want me to fulfill this calling. Maybe if I'm silent long enough. How many have seen, uh, what is it, Jurassic Park? Like, you know, when you don't move, the T-Rex doesn't see you. You know, if you stay still long enough, God's that giant T-Rex in heaven. You think, if I don't move, if I don't do it for long enough, he's going to forget I'm here and he's going to walk away. Can I tell you, God is observing. He watches our lives to to see what we're obedient in because it will determine if we enter into the promised land or not. Can I tell you what the most miserable thing is? To be a believer and to not fulfill the will of God in the earth. There is nothing more shameful to me than for me to run my race and at the end God says, well, you know, he's supposed to say, well done. And he says, well, you made it. We don't want to just make it. We want to know, were we well-pleasing to him? Come on, does anybody have that holy kind of desire anymore to stick out the tough seasons, to do the hard things that God wants them to do so that you can see his promises fully come to pass in your life? I'm reminded of this scripture that Paul talks about. He says, aren't you tired of drinking milk? Let's move on. Let's move past the elementary things. If we really want to walk into the blessings of God, we have to fulfill his perfect will in our lives. Just ask Peter. Peter had to leave his fishing business. You know, I've asked the Lord, I've begged the Lord many times to let me let this business go. You know why he won't let me let it go? I work full-time for those of you who do not know. I work full-time. I do ministry full-time. And, and I believe the Lord said to me, I heard, I heard in my spirit when I said, Lord, let me let this thing go. He says, I'm not going to let, let you let it go because you want to let it go. Because he'll normally want you to to things that you want to let go and the things you want to let go of he wants you to hold on to that's how you know you shouldn't leave a church come on or a difficult situation come on or a spouse or a friend come on y'all ain't talking look at everybody y'all got some things y'all are trying to let go of and God's wanting you to hold on to them or you're holding on to things that God wants you to let go of because God will always require of you what's more difficult because he'll never offer the broad way it's too easy Look at somebody and say, don't take the easy way. So Peter had to let go of his business. Listen to this. And, and Joseph was given a dream by God, but he had to live out 13 years of nightmare before the vision came to pass. God gives him this vision that he's going to be a world leader in Egypt. He's going to bless his family. He's going to be a type of, and shadow of Jesus, which was a savior, only a type and shadow. But 13 years of nightmare. What was he doing? He was going through the narrow way. His will was being bended. Come on. His will was difficult, but God's will always leads to pleasure and fulfillment if you can stick out the difficult times that he's calling you to walk through, even this morning. The apostle Paul, who murdered Christians, got a visitation from the Lord and ultimately gave up, gave up his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He bent his will. Ask, come on, somebody ask the Lord, bend my will. Bend my will, but don't break it, Lord. How can we forget about Jesus who had to lay down his life for the very people who rejected him? I was thinking about this morning when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. Every human being has a will. Even Jesus had a will. 
As, as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which, by the way, means the place where the olive is crushed. How many know where the Garden of Gethsemane was? This is the exact moment right before the entourage would come and get him and bring him to the praetorium to be ultimately crucified. Well, tried first before Pilate and then crucified. But he goes to this Garden of Gethsemane, the place where the olive is crushed. Many of us want to just stay the olive. It was a place where olives grew. You're like, Lord, I got this fruit in my life. I don't want to let this go. But if you remain an olive and don't allow God to crush you, you'll never understand what oil looks like. And listen, olive, being the olive is for you. Being crushed and turning into oil is for others. Jesus' will would have been to remain the olive, but God's will was to turn it into oil so that he can bless more people. And by you obey, obeying the will of God in whatever area it is of your life, God will use it to bless others in your life. And here's what Jesus said. Watch this. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says this. Watch this. Father, if it's your will, let this cup be taken away or let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. If Jesus had it his way, yes, he wanted the will of the Father, but he wanted an out. Isn't there some kind of other way? Isn't there a pain-free life, God? Isn't there a pain-free marriage? Isn't there a pain-free destiny? Isn't there a pain-free calling in my life? Isn't there an easy way? But Jesus got the revelation that I would rather be crushed under the will of God than to live a somewhat satisfied life out of his will because me and you wouldn't be here today. And listen, there are many people waiting on you to obey the will of God, to go through that narrow way so that, they can, that you can be a blessing in their lives. Come on, does anybody believe that? Third, God's will, I want you to note this. This is the hardest thing for me. God's will takes time. God's will takes time. Each and every one of those men that I just mentioned, years and years, they went through things. You know what? I feel bad. There's many ministers that I know who started strong. They started off. Their churches were in these major revivals, and I have seen this constant decline. And then I, I think, but they're still staying, you know, staying strong, staying committed to the will of God in their lives. And I thought to myself, I would rather end strong than start strong. I would rather, I'd rather start a little weak and build up momentum and end in the will of God. God forbid if I start something and, this, and the train is moving and then I've got to stay around another 20 years to watch the fire fizzle. Oh, see, some of you who are mature know exactly what I'm talking about. God's will takes time. And if you remain through the difficulty and you can withstand the test of time, God will bless. He will honor. He will esteem. He will exalt you if you stay faithful. And this is by far, again, this is what makes people miss the will of God and the purposes of God in their life. They abort too quickly because it looks like God isn't moving. And this is, this is where God plays hide and seek. As you think just because he's not moving in your situation that you're not in the will of God. Sometimes the validation that you're in God's will is he's not telling you to leave it. Did you hear what I said? You need no instruction until you're given the next one. So if he hasn't said to move, you don't you move. Those of you who are in this room are getting ready to move out of a situation that God has not, you've prayed about it, you've fasted about it, and you're praying, well, may, maybe God just wants me to move and take a leap of faith. Let me tell you something. Stay in the will of God. Don't move too quickly. Don't get out of position. I wrote a quote not that long ago. It says, one of God's greatest gifts is a waiting room, a gift that allows adequate time to prepare for your destiny. Stay in the waiting room. Wait on the Lord. That's why the Bible says those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. When you move out of the will of God, this is how you know you're out of the will of God, when, you're, when your strength is being sapped. And you can be positionally in God's will, but mentally out of it. Come on. God promised Abraham 
God made him a promise. You will have a son. You're going to be a father of many nations. He had to wait 25 years. Not to mention, he thought he had to help out by help out God's will by giving himself to Hagar, another woman, just to because his wife Sarah could not get pregnant. You don't have to help God out in his will. You just need to obey it. God doesn't need your help. You know that, don't you? You don't need to help out God. Look at somebody and say that. You don't need to help God. Just obey him. As I said before, Joseph had to wait 13 years before God fulfilled the dream in his heart, and he became the second most powerful man in the world. Lazarus had to wait four days in a grave before, he, before Jesus intervened. Watch this. It says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Why would God say that? Because he knows that we can grow weary in the midst of waiting on him. Don't grow weary. Look at somebody and say that. Wake them up this morning. I see some of you yawning. Say, don't grow weary. Waiting in the will of God. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season you will reap. But there's a condition. It's conditional. If you faint not. If you faint not. If you don't give up. If you do not abort. My daughter said to me, she's 19, she said, I just want to have people work for me. She said, I'm going to be rich. And she sees, I tell her all the time, I said, well, I've been working since I was, you know, 15. I had my own company legally by 18, but I was doing it at about 17. I had the van, had all the stuff, all the equipment, and I've been doing this now for almost 20 years. And she sees all the little accruedments and all the hard work that's paid off for the past 20 years. And I said, do you think you're just going to get there by not being faithful? Do you think this is just going to be handed to you? She said, yeah, but I didn't grow up in your generation. This is a new generation. People get success a whole lot easier. I said, listen, nothing can replace hard work. I had her working at 16, but that's another, that's another story. She hated me for the per, first six months of it, but now she's thankful that she can manage two jobs at 19 years old, pay for her own new nice car, and all of these little accruedments that she's now accumulating. But, but, but being in the will of God takes a tenacity to stay still until he moves, until he moves on your behalf. It, it takes some kind of tolerance to be still, even though he's not moving seemingly, on your behalf. I love it. It says, we shall reap if we do not. Some, some, some versions say lose heart or if we faint not. Number four, and lastly, God's will is fulfilling. Say God's will is fulfilling. And the reason we fight against God's will is because we think our will will be more fulfilling. And, and can I be honest with you? It is on the front end. But then you wake up one day looking back, wishing that you would have made the turn with him. Reinhard Bonnke says this, mind now what matters later. If you take the easy way out in whatever it is that you're facing, you will only reap rewards based on the level of your sacrifice. I have a 2015 home and the, the roof inside the, um, inside the garage was starting to fall down, like a large spot. I was extremely upset. I'm like, this is a 2015 home. This should not be happening. But do you know what they're doing now is they're, they're throwing up these homes, meaning building them in about 75 to 80 days. So that tells me the least, um, the, the least, you, the, 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 the least amount that you invest into, you, your return will be small as well. If, if, if you're not investing in time, see, back in the days, I, see, me and my wife, I, 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 I did a home for, how many remember, um, Mr. Rogers. Come on, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Come on, Mr. Rogers. I, we, we did his home, and he's, he's passed on now, but it's a historic home. That, the, the, it was built in 1926 or 25, 
And so it's almost 100 years old. And I went in there. It still has the original floors. We got to redo everything. And it's where he used to live. He used to live in Winter Park and go to Rollins College. I believe he was a graduate and, and or a teacher there. And so he would walk down that same street and whistling that whole deal. It was right in Winter Park. And the, the house is rock solid. I mean, you have to do nothing to it but paint it. I mean, amazingly, it wasn't like the houses these days. If you get mad, you put your hand through the door or whatever or the wall. No, you don't, you don't do that to these houses. Plaster, hardwood, thick stuff. And, and I just thought to myself, back then, it would take them sometimes years to build these houses. So if, if, you, want, if you want to reap the benefits, if you want to reap fruit in your latter end, you have to be willing to pay the price to patiently water what God's doing in your life right now. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. How many want to be in the perfect will of God? Come on, stand to your feet for just a minute. I love, there is an alternative. See, we, ha we have a limited view when it comes to seeing things from God's perspective. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? We have a limited view. We cannot see. He's all-seeing. He can see everything. He understands the end at the beginning. He's already considered all the obstacles that you're going to go through. He knows what this thing looks like as you continue down the path that he's paved for you. But there's another alternative. And, and I think to myself, God's will, God, your will is difficult. But the thing is, if you really think about it and you're honest with yourself, so is doing things your way. Exactly. And as you look back over the course of your life, listen, relationally, financially, emotionally, in every sphere, have you ended up with what you've wanted anyhow by doing it your way? See, we don't, we don't talk like this because it doesn't gain numbers. But it will gain maturity. It gains maturity. Can I be honest with you? As much as I love God, I mean, I was this morning, I could hardly talk to my friend Joel, who's in the back, who runs our media. I was telling him, I said, man, you know, my heart is just, I cry easy these days. And it's not because anything is going wrong but it's because I just want to see God's best in people's lives. Just his best. I just want to see his perfect will in every individual's life. I want to see them come to fruition, to fruitfulness in their lives. I want to see them end well. I want to see them come to the place that Paul did. I have finished my race, and now there lays up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord gives to those and to those who love his appearing. I love this. It says in Psalms 143, verse 10. And this today was more of a teaching, less preaching, I hope, more teaching. It says in Psalms 143, verse 10, and it's up on the screen. I want you to all say it. I normally don't get you to read in concert, but I want you to read it on three with me. One, two, three. Teach me. To do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Do you know how you get into the land of uprightness? Do you know the road to fulfillment? It's when you allow God to teach you his will for your life. Because it ultimately brings your heart the most satisfaction. And I would love to say, everybody come up to this altar. My heart bubbles over. I love laying hands. I love imparting. I love encouraging people. I love giving prophetic words. I love praying for people. But as many lines as I've been in, and I've not been in hundreds, I've been in thousands of prayer lines, having hands laid on me, and I still struggle with walking in the perfect will of God. Am I walking in it? Absolutely. But to tell you it's easy, it's not easy. But can I tell you this? I am the most fulfilled more than I've ever been in my life. And so I want to challenge you. If there's any area 
of your life where you are struggling in the will of God. There is no amount of laying on of hands that will, that will force your feet to walk in his will. There's no, there's no even, no amount of prophesying. These are only guidelines. These are only uh, pointers to where God's will is. It, laying hands, prophesying, even praying does not force you into the will of God. Why? Because every person has a free will. And if you're in a battle of, with your will this morning, if you're in a battle against God's will versus your will, I want to tell you this morning to surrender to the loving, trusting hands of the master, the one who holds your world in his hands, the one who knows your destiny, the one who knows the purposes that he's called you to, the one who knows the very end at the very beginning, the one who knows the outcome, the one who knows if you take this step of obedience, you will end well. And you will live a life that is fully satisfied. And he knows you'll be able to look back and say, I finished my race. It might have been difficult, Lord. It might have been hard. I've had to wait a long time. I had to cry a lot of tears. I had to pray a whole lot. It was extremely painful, Lord, but I have finished my race. I was obedient to you. And you know what the Apostle Paul said? It's in the Old, excuse me, in the New Testament. Scriptures talk about being obedient even unto death. So I want to challenge every one of you this morning that no matter what obedience looks like to you, no matter how difficult, obey the will of God. And I'll say it again. I'll quote with what Catherine Coleman said. It costs everything. If you really want to know the price, it'll cost you everything, but it's worth the cost. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.